0: Receive these words from Genesis 2, 5-8. When no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise up from the earth, and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground, and breathed into the human's nostrils the breath of life, and the human became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the human whom he had formed. Reflect on the Spirit's movement in you. When no plant of the field was yet in the earth, And no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise up from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground and breathed into the human's nostrils the breath of life and the human became a living being and the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and there he put the human whom he had formed take a moment now to respond in prayer all right good morning evergreens pastor ryan here and i'm pleased to continue our conversation on our earthling series for you i have two wonderful guests with me today um one of them i attended seminary with and we struggled struggled through greek together um and somehow we made it out we're here and um so our guests, Josh and Daniel, feel free to introduce yourselves to everyone um, this morning.
1: Good morning, everybody. My name is Josh Lopez Reyes. My pronouns are he, him, his, and uh, very excited to be here with the Evergreen family. And as Ryan mentioned, uh, excited to now collaborate post-seminary and post that uh, brutal Greek class. So I'll pass it to my colleague Daniel to introduce
2: himself. Hi, my name is Daniel, Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm glad to be here to be part of this discussion. I am also a Fuller Theological Seminary graduate of 2019, and so hopefully the things that I learned there, but also my own experience doing this work, um, also in this project, hopefully will inform your discussion.
0: Thank you both so much for taking the time to be with us this morning, we appreciate it. So to start us off, our scripture passage for today is Genesis three seventeen to 19. Daniel, Josh, could you share a little bit about how you currently read this passage?
2: All right. I and mean, before I go, I certainly want to make sure, I mean, we can't really have a discussion around land if we haven't really acknowledged that the land that we are situated on has been stolen, right? And so I certainly Absolutely. want to acknowledge um, the, the indigenous communities that were here before us. Right. So we're Mm. talking about the Shumas and the Tongva in Los Angeles area. And so we certainly want to acknowledge the pain and the hurt that is still here, that still hasn't been reconciled, especially Mm. in our own theology um, Mm. and theology that that justified us taking this land from them. And so I think first, before we even talk about land is we have to acknowledge the wounds that are present. And so with that, when I read the scripture, I think it. I love what you were saying. Right. It's like reading you have to read the scriptures through christ and you have to understand that even christ was reading the scriptures through context and so he was uh, adapting his own jewish lens he was also adapting his um kind of his uh econ um was that uh economic status and to where and to the way that he saw scriptures right and so and the way that he was applying scripture and so when i look at this verse i also look at It speaks to the status of the relationship between humans and God, but it also speaks to the relationship between humans and land and God and the land. And the land is often referred to as like Mother Earth and God the Father. And so God is the as the masculine and the earth as the feminine. And so it's no surprise that in a patriarchal society that has historically and still present day discards the lives and rape the bodies of women and young girls, that we would do the same to Mother Earth. Mm. Uh, oftentimes we try to partition our lives and kind of separate the spiritual from the physical. As as a result, we dismember our own identity and we dismember, uh, dismember our own faith. And our stories... And, and lives are, you know, are connected to the land so much. There, there are so many narratives that they conjure up just by stating my association with a particular a particular land. So when I say that, you know, I was raised in Inglewood, you have an idea what Inglewood is. So therefore, Ingle, the story of Inglewood is associated with my story. So they come together, not separate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when I think about that, I think about even the ways that Christians... The ways that they look at land. And so they, and and it seems like the only place that they prioritize is heaven, as if heaven and earth weren't made at the same time, in tandem, in partnership, um, in coexistence, right? And so Jesus cements this idea when he. You know, in and Luke and, and Matthew, when he when he demonstrates and he models the Lord's prayer, when he says our father in heaven, hallowed be thy be your name, your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he makes yeah. right. He's showing this symbiotic relationship between heaven and earth. We can't prioritize heaven without prioritizing earth. They go hand in hand, just like justice and righteousness, right? When you look throughout the Bible, you see that those two things go hand in hand. So heaven and earth go hand in hand. So if you desire to be in heaven, you must have the same, the same desire, the same want for the earth with the same fervor, right? And so I think it's important when we talk about land, we talk about our connections, we talk about our relationship with land. And I think that particular verse really dives deep into what is our relationship with land. Mm. And when you assess that, you will see that if you have a problematic or dysfunctional relationship with the land, you also have a dysfunctional relationship with God. You have a dysfunctional relationship in the way that you read the Bible and theology, and the way that you practice theology. Mm. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Josh?
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and preach it thank you for sharing that and uh you know i really love how you centered us right and because i think that's the problem that we have had in in western thought we've so been disconnected between uh our land and our bodies and and if anything again uh that's what the incarnation is about like it's the complete anti-thesis right of this disconnection between our bodies and the land in which we're in and and so uh, you know we have often of course in the west like uh just emphasized uh you know this like spiritual soul uh of our creation right and we talk about uh saving souls but the 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 redemption uh of of christ is not just that of you know, individual souls, it, it is of the world. And so in the biblical tradition, what you said reminded me of, of course, in Genesis, we're, we're hearing about this garden, right? This garden of life where uh, there's thriving in, in this symbiotic relationship between humanity and all of creation. And, and then uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I, I know as a community, you all will go there eventually, but in the book of Revelation, right? Um, in, in the biblical tradition, it continues on that that uh, idea, you know, this this kind of uh, idea of pa- the paradise of the garden. But there's this new city, you know, it's this new Jerusalem that it talks about in revelations. And it, it it is this garden city, you know, And what I think is beautiful is that, of course, the garden alludes to God's work, right? It's God's creation. But cities are the work of humanity, you know, urban centers are the work of us. And so when you see this, this uh, idea at the end in in Revelations, it's this combination of the work of God and the work of humanity coming together to redeem the world, right? Not just individual souls. And, um, you know, thank you for reminding us that we are on stolen land right we and and i think that changes our theology and it changes our praxis when we when we recognize that and i think it's kind of a great segue for um what we're trying to do with our radix project right
0: yeah tell us more about what you're doing with your radix project you know i feel like what you're theologically talking about right now is perfect for us as um our community is focused on the idea of the new humanity in which like we're trying Mm -hmm. to live into this praxis of right that one day we will see this new city, this new Jerusalem that you, Josh was talking about. But right now, God's invitation to us now is that we have to be a part of this. And this includes the conversation that we're having now around the land. So appreciate it. Can you tell us more about how you, you two are involved in it and in this, pra- in this practice that you guys are talking about with Radix project?
1: Uh, so Radix, it's it's a Latin word for roots and uh you know we we chose the name for this project uh because we really do want to go to the roots of our faith right like we're talking about here and connect with the roots of of the issues that we see that are uh, involving with the destruction of uh our creation and uh especially in communities of color and especially uh around uh uh, the world, right? Because the, we, I think, if anything, this pandemic has just reminded us how connected we are as as a world, despite our nation states, despite our languages, despite all the differences that we have. Uh, we are one world, and uh, you know, when we when we begin to see that, um, you know, what we've noticed through this project uh, of storytelling is that. <laughs> the same st- stuff that happens here is happening in other places too, and so uh, what we're what we're doing, and with the extreme help of Daniel Castillo, who is an amazing uh storyteller filmmaker, among many other things, uh, uh what we're trying to do is capture these stories in videos uh to share with other
2: communities. The collection of stories of the collection of videos that we create in this project. Um, they examine the intersection between faith, activism, water and land stewardship. Um, we started with Ventura, uh, which is one of the first projects that we created to highlight the impacts of mass production, plantation style farming. and so the impacts and the impacts that it has on our food, but also on the land. Right. And so I remember many years ago when I was in um, when California was gracing all the headlines around the water shortages. I don't know if you, you do remember that I was in Chicago during uh, one of those winters. And I was having a discussion with a few folks um, at a get together and the water shortage conversation w- was brought up. And some of the comments that they made was if Californians took shorter showers, we wouldn't be as predicament. What they failed to realize is that one of the major contrib- contributors to the water shortages in California was the food supply that was being prepared and transported to the Midwest and to the South and to the East regions that don't grow food year-round like we do, like California does. And so they had no idea of the connection that they were speaking about, right? And so they, so they didn't understand that what was happening in California affected their food supply, and so in the Christian tradition, and the, so when you, when we go back to the Genesis story, in the creation story, the first human is given the name Adam, which comes from Adam, uh, meaning red earth, right? Land, red land, highlighting that humans are made from red earth. For those in agriculture knows that red earth, uh, red land is a like sign that the land has high concentration of iron and nutrients. And so on a theological note... What that means is when we practice, what does it mean for us to practice a style of farming that depletes the earth of its riches, riches, right? When we strip the earth of our connection to it, what does it mean when humans are no longer being made from the red earth because our extractive and destructive stewardship? In Detroit, if you've been paying attention to what has been occurred in Flint, Flint, Michigan and Detroit for a number of years around the fight for clean water and accessible water, poor families have been Directly or greatly inf- impacted by the, the waterborne illnesses, the close-off access to water. So just imagine Jesus in his first miracle turns water into wine, has no water. Imagine that. I also want to imagine all the different times throughout the, all the biblical accounts when there when God uses water, when God uses land as part of the miracles. So you have to understand that the land. Has bear witness to creation. The land is a key, a key and a vital character in our theology. And so, very similar ways in our stories is to really capture that. How do people understand the land? What ways are they are they reversing this harming, the the cycle of harm that we've created for generations, trying to um, deplete the earth, trying to create riches from the earth? And so we are capturing the stories of people preserving the land, um, creating, you know, going off this kind of mass production, um, this, this very, like, um, exploit, um, to, to stop us from exploiting the earth, stop us from exploiting the land. And so we certainly capture that. And so, you know, one of the things is that the, the stories that we produce don't give you the answers, but they propose questions. They propose questions for you to wrestle with. What is your involvement in the ways that we're destroying the land? And what can we do to reverse that? What can we do? What kind of practices can we adapt from the indigenous communities to ensure that, to ensure that we are, um, that that we are still holding the earth as sacred, mm. right? And so, um, and, I, and I think the Bible is clear on what it wants us to do, all right, when we look at Micah 6, 8, and the, the question is posed, what does the Lord require of you? And the Lord answers to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And so I think that essentially, that's what we try to highlight, is that this is the position that we must be in. This is the stance that we must take to ensure that the generations coming after us Right, are blessed by the land that is currently here and the Mm. land that God created. And not only that, the the land that bears God's image. How about that? I remember when we were in Detroit Mm. and we were having a conversation about, you know, uh, the likeness or God's image. And I remember uh, one person said, well, that's pretty, um, that's very self-centered for humans to believe that God only gave humans his image. Mm. And when you read the Bible, it says that God hovered over the water. And so what happens when you hover over the water? You see a reflection of yourself. And so when God hovers over the water, Mm. God is seeing his image reflected back at him in the water. And so you have to understand the land, the water, the resources has God's image. And so how are you responding to that? How are you defacing God's image? by the pollution, by the the number of practices we do to destroy the earth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, just really quick, like, I think that uh, these issues are so huge, right? And they can become overwhelming when we think about them, because at the end of the day, uh, all as human beings, we are Basically, just in our existence, the way that we live on earth, it's destroying it, right? It's uh, our, our everyday common ways of living. But uh, what I've been inspired by in this project is seeing how communities, uh, they're doing their part in their little local pieces of the earth, you know? And I think that these, you know, like as a community, as a local church, you know, as as all of our communities, we have that opportunity You know, we have that opening to to be a part of God's redemption in our little corners. And that creates a ripple effect that will change the world. You know, like individually, we can't change the world. But collectively, when we all do our little parts, you know, it does make a a huge impact. And and I think that's what we need to, to continue to learn how to do as a community, as the Christian community.
0: Yeah. On that note, Josh, do you have any action item tips for us? The places that maybe, if this is resonating with us this morning, what is some actions that we can take um, moving forward, and how can we stay yeah. involved or hear a little bit more about uh, plugging into what Radix Project is doing?
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking. Uh, definitely, uh, want to uh, invite uh, you know the Evergreen community to uh, invite us to. Uh, do a screening, we've so far out of the three communities we mentioned, we have uh, the video ready for one of those communities. And we're currently doing screenings where we do talk about, you know, as Daniel mentioned, questions to really uh, help to discern, you know, how can we get involved and, and, you know, what's the impact that we can do. Um, So I think that's the immediate thing that comes to mind. Um, And uh, I'll let Daniel also answer the question of how you could follow our work. Um, And we we could also link up our website where we're at, where you can also find more resources that relate to eco-justice and in Christianity.
2: Yeah, certainly follow um, our Facebook, our YouTube. The Facebook is certainly where you're going to get a lot of the information. Our YouTube is where you're going to see it when our videos drop. But certainly our Facebook and our Instagram, if you want to interact with us, And know when different projects are going on, when different screenings are happening, certainly uh, reach out to us there. But if you have a screening, if you want to bring this video to whatever community you're part of and to have these conversations, certainly hit us up as well so that we can engage in these conversations and explore these questions and wrestle with these questions uh, so that it helps inform our own theology around land.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you both so much for joining us for this conversation and uh, being a part of our community this morning. We really welcome you and appreciate uh, your sharing your thoughts with us. And we're gonna roll the trailer after this so everyone can get a little bit of a glimpse of uh, what you guys are doing along with your teams. So thank you so much for being with us here this morning. Thank you.
1: Across the world, Communities are fighting for the rights of the land and waters that shelter, feed, and sustain them. La lucha, or the struggle, often unfolds in communities where resources are scarce and the negative social, economic, and cultural effects are profound. Leaders emerge from neighborhoods and pueblos, cities, and villages to fight for justice and forge a path forward. Join us as we highlight stories of resistance and resilience in the struggle for environmental rights